You know of Atlantis as a fictional place, but what if it wasn't? That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Don Edward Cook. He is the author of the book, Ithyana, How the World Ended Millennia Ago. And if you love antediluvian fiction, this is the one for you. I loved the way Don created this world before the flood. It is high tech, high spirited, high fantasy, high sci-fi, everything else in between. There is so much going on in this world. I cannot wait to tell you more about it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. I'm so glad to announce, as I've been announcing for the last several weeks, we are now on Amazon Music. So if you want to hear us on Amazon, all you got to say is, Alexa, play PJC Media. And guess what? You'll be privy to all the shows we have on our network, as well as this one. So I'm so excited to be part of Amazon Music. Go ahead and subscribe today. Lots of good things going on. And now before we get into our book, I definitely want to bring our guest co-host on today. Don, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Yourself? I am doing fine. I want to thank you so very much for taking time out of your schedule to be here with me today. I never take it lightly to have our guests with us. It is no different today. So thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Now, Don, you come all the way from across the border for me. <laughs> So you're coming from Canada. So tell us a little bit about what's it like to live in Canada? Well, right now, let's just say it's, I would call it 1984 light in terms of it being an Orwellian dictatorship and Trudeau trying to put on a happy face about it. And I just find, I just don't know what to make of the guy. Like, I know that there's a lot of left-wingers in the youth today, but I have never seen a guy so in left field as if he was raised in a bubble. And also... I know that there's been a lot of crime and violence in the U.S., but when you have a place like, say, London, Ontario, which is normally sedate and quiet, having hearing sirens as police fire and ambulance sirens blurring almost every other night near your place, plus when you're going out and about, you're seeing a bunch of police fire and ambulance vehicles going up and down the streets. It's a bit disconcerting. I can see how that can help be a catalyst for your story, Ifania. And we'll be talking about that in a moment. But one thing you say here on your Facebook page, I know you're not very active on it, but you say 
that you are a Canadian who strongly identifies with America's ideals of life and liberty. Why do you think that is so significant to share with anyone who comes across your page or your social media? Well, I consider myself to be atypical. That is not typical of most Canadians because Canadians, we tend to be very polite. And sometimes when you look beneath the surface, politeness mask can mask some sort of smarmy, passive aggressive nature. And I'm not that. I tend to cut, tend to shoot from the hip. I tend to be civil and polite and intelligent about it, but I tend to be honest because when I look at America, I see how Americans have time and again risen to the challenge and fought for what they believe in. And right now, if there's ever a time that Americans who love the Lord and love freedom are going to stand up, rise to the challenge, it, this is going to have to be the day. And there's a lot going on in our world, particularly here in the West, that is cause for concern. But thankfully, we serve a God that is greater than all of man's shenanigans. And I'm so proud to be a part of that, too, as we showcase Christian authors from all over the world who are using the vehicle of fiction and entertainment to help bring about gospel truths. Now, this conversation to my listeners may think, wow, this is kind of odd. It's sobering. But I'm using this because we are using the state of the Western world in particular. I don't want to say the whole world, but the Western world in particular, because we are going to be paralleling it with the world that's created in Ithania which is the first book that Don Cook has ever written. I can't wait to dig more into that with him. But I want to get to some of the background behind this story. As I was reading this book, I noticed that this book was based off of a film that your students did. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, back in 2009, I was in the advanced filmmaking program at Fanshawe College. I went back to college late in life, and so I was a retread that way. And... My capstone project was The Last Atlantean, and when I made that short film, I decided to use that as a commentary on our world today, saying that the world of Atlantis was more like our world than a lot of us might care to think or speculating about that, and I didn't spend too much time in the world of Atlantis, and I even have the name of the main character spelt slightly differently. Instead of being Ithiana, it's more like Ithiotic and with a very complex spelling and pronunciation based upon ancient Greek word for fish. And also, I decided to have the history from Egypt to our day basically outlined and showing how we have not improved since the days of Atlantis. And literally, I had, so it's basically based in part on the short film. Now let's talk about Atlantis for a minute. Most people know Atlantis as the city that was sunken into the sea. And it's based off, I believe, an ancient scholar who told the story of Atlantis. But the story of Atlantis, a lot of people think Atlantis is just a story. Some people think it is a representation of an ancient city that was swallowed by the earth. And in your case, you're saying Atlantis is what? In my case, I decided to say the since the destruction of Atlantis parallel strongly what happened to the world in the days of Noah when the flood hit. I thought, wow, isn't this a coincidence? And I thought, well, and a lot of people say that Atlantis fell into the sea because it was corrupt and wicked. And I decided to say, well, Don, as it, Matthew 24, 37 says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. I decided to take the parallel between Noah's day and our day 
and seeing how Atlantis was reputedly wicked and how it fell into the sea and how that was sort of an indirect flood myth. Very indirect, but still it could fold into it really nicely. One thing about when we talk about antediluvian fiction, we do have a lot of room for speculative ideas to come through. And some of those ideas is that we present the antediluvian world as a primitive people who may have had limited technology. In your book, you flip that on its head because you say that Atlantis was highly sophisticated and very technologically advanced. Tell us about this world. There have been other people who talk about Atlantis and say it was more advanced than we are, and I decided to use the idea that the world must have been so wicked and the wickedness and evil was aided and abetted by the technology of its day. Since I heard so much about the usage of crystals in Atlantean myths and other cultures that became advanced, I decided to have a whole crystal and crystal-based technology, even where the main character used a calm crystal like we use a smartphone today. And where in one scene I have the main character and her bow actually fiddling with their calm crystals, which would be the size of a smartphone, and where her smartphone will actually have earbuds that you could pull out and use like they were earbuds and a microphone with it. So this upset her ice cream parlor so much because it will just took away from the conversation. And when you go out, out to restaurants, you'll see that so many people, it used to be where they talked about, talked with each other and engaged in interesting conversation. But now they tend to pay attention to their smartphones when they're out to dinner and not each other. It talks about the isolation that we have. Even though technology can help bridge us, it also helps to isolate us. And there have been studies that have been ongoing about how technology is actually isolating people. Instead of having real life interaction with people who are right in front of you, you may have these intimate reactions with people online, but you may ignore the first person in front of you. Very interesting how that works out. And in this story, it's Yana, how the world ended millennia ago, which is book one of the series, by the way, you have this technology that's based off of crystals. And I was trying to, you do a really good job of visualizing what the crystal lights look like and the society looks like, but it still opens up your imagination because these crystals are embedded everywhere. And as they're embedded everywhere, they have different uses. And so it lets us know that if we're going to have technology, the technology is going to be reflective of what's currently around us. So in this case, you have a world that's basically, I don't want to say a supercontinent, but it's a massive land mass. And if you look at the map at the beginning of the book, you'll see it. It's this massive land mass that is surrounded by a large ocean. I think you call it a 180-degree ocean. Four oceans, actually. 180 ocean, North Polar Ocean, South Polar Ocean, and the Great International Ocean. Yeah, and you have these ocean, little tiny islands. But it's basically a really big land mass that's surrounded by water. And not like a little bit of water, but a lot of water. So lots of things are going on here. And now we're going to talk about some other aspects of this story, because when you do an antediluvian fiction genre, whatever you want to call it, there are some unique things you can do. So Ithyania isn't quite human, is she? Well, she was born human with extreme mental powers, and she had the ability to, to dive underwater and swim there and not be bothered. And she had internal gills in her, grown in her windpipes, genetically shepherded 
when she was five years old, she had the ability to breathe underwater grown into her where when she goes into the water, her gills deploy within her windpipe so she could breathe the water, the oxygen in the water, and she could resist temperature and pressure changes quite well as she dove into the sea. But she's genetically modified. And then you have her sister, Biana, and Biana is her adopted sister. She can't do it as well, but she's also aided by her technology to go for a morning swim all the time. And they're aided by the technology to go in the ocean, pretty far into the ocean too. And one of the things that happen in the beginning of the book, especially, is they're going for a swim and they see the carcasses of many sea life just floating up into the air all around them. And they look and they find that there's a volcanic eruption under the sea that affect the sea life there. So they come back up and then something really terrible happens and they come back up. And we won't go into that, but it really does make a great starting point for the story. And now we're going to fast forward a little bit because Sonia is a very smart woman. In keeping with the direction of the biblical narrative, they live a long time. When they live a long time, it's in hundreds of years. And so a 25-year-old is actually 250 years old or thereabouts, or and a 45-year-old is generally 450-year-old. They would know as they were age. And so many years later, she is doing something really important. She's actually acting as the biblical equivalent of Noah. And I wanted to kind of talk to you about these parallels because Noah was the one saying in the biblical narrative that, uh, you know, hey, it's going to rain, basically, right? Well, she's saying something different. What is she saying? Well, she's saying that something disastrous will happen to the earth. But whereas Noah went with a much simpler plan, just building a huge wooden barge that we know of as the ark and with enough for to have the basic breeding pairs plus seven of every kosher animal and, and enough room for anybody who wanted to repent and come along. Ithiana went for something far more complex and ambitious. She went for a space ark plan, which would take whatever animals they could take, plus as many humans as wanted to volunteer, plus all the records of their culture and going to another planet in a distant galaxy. And it had to be in a distant galaxy because no other world would want to have contact with them. And she was thwarted every turn because very few people believed her. And not even people's version of the United Nations would back her. And so a duplicitous, ultra-rich diva backed Ithiana's plan. But gradually, as the plan took shape within a few months, the billionaires dominated the project and things went really out of control. Things ranging from what we would today call stock market crash after stock market crash to an attack by the enemy nation of Lemuria. And Lemuria, if you were to put it into our context, would be like the Cold War with Russia and the Atlanteans would be roughly the West. I'll say the West. I don't want to say just America, but roughly the West. And so you have these politics that's mirrored in the story. And I think it's important that even though we're in the antediluvian world, we have to see that human nature pretty much is the same, that it really doesn't change, that even though they may have different names, different technology, different system of government, different ways of telling time and observing the world, humanity remains the same. And this is important because when we talk about how the Lord saved us from our sins, even back then, he actually was doing us a favor when he destroyed the earth with and flood. People don't think about that. It was actually helping us. 
to do something well. Now, what's interesting is that Don has a trailer of this book, and I absolutely love the trailer of this story. I thought it was a really good job. I love all the CG that was done. You show the uh, project lifescape. You show it as a flying saucer. And then you put something that was real titillating in. I'm just going to titillate our listeners with this. But as we're getting ready to launch this probe into the universe, into space, they make a comment about humans roving space before. And I want our listeners to go, what in the world is going on? Because in our time, aliens are just now getting recognition. Alien life forms, the extraterrestrial life form, are just getting recognition. So what is the listener going to expect as they read this book when they start to delve more and more into it? Well, I decided to have us actually fall, being forced to fall so far back that we literally, Noah had to start practically back at square one. And because we were, the world had gone so astray, God had to take away our techie toys, whatever knowledge we had of the universe, had to take it all away so we could start from scratch. And Noah did start from scratch. Once the floodwaters had receded, Noah was back at square one. So was his family. And so I decided to have us having that great crash and burn and flood out with only, I won't give away the ending, but I can tell you right now, we have a greater level of technology than we've ever had in our known history. I mean, really. Has there ever been an age that's been technologically like ours in the last? I think the last hundred years have been so different from the previous several thousand. It's mind-boggling. And I decided to have, well, what if we had even greater technology and greater awareness of the universe only for God to see how it was corrupting us and flooded out, having only Noah and his family survive? And of course, I always state like this is just fiction, but I'm actually wanting to write this to get people to think about our time. And the politicians, and interesting you touched on that, I decided to have everything left wing symbolized by Lemuria. And that literally, in many ways, it's more like communist China with taken to an even greater extreme by using the ant colony and the beehive as their social structure. And using even a sort of an interesting sort of Nazi salute for Lemurian big cheese. There's a lot of that going on in the story. So you got the politics going on. You have the social degradation going on. You have the technology advancement. You have people who know what's going on. And what makes Ikiana really interesting is that she is aware that things cannot continue as they are. She's aware of that. So she lets the world know, but most people just don't want to hear her. And it mirrors Noah a lot. And Noah comes into play a little bit later on in the story because at first you're like, okay, it's Yana's great, but what about Noah? <laughs> you know, it's so you want to hear about Noah, but he comes along a little bit later on in the story. One thing that's interesting too about Ithyana, it's the way that the world doesn't quite get it. That even though we're having all these problems, things are going to always remain the same. They forget the aspect that God does intercede in the affairs of men. Now, Ithyana's adopted sister, her name is Brianna, she is what's called an Elohist. And the Elohist would be like Elohim, which is based off the Hebrew word of, for God, Elohim. And she's based off of that. But in the look, they're kind of looked down like these quaint little soul soul people. And even when you see them, you have Ithyana's great technology 
next to Noah's very simplistic thing. Like he's putting pitch on the ark and she's like, oh, wow, look at that. You know, so there's a lot of that going on here. There's this just wonderful parallels in this story that I really liked. And as we get close to the end of our interview today, uh, Don, what do you hope readers take away from Isiana? First of all, that we don't know it all and that speculating about what might have been before the flood and why the world had to be drowned out and so that Noah and his family could start anew according to God's will. And first of all, there will not be a flood, worldwide flood ever again because God promised that. And yet we got to remember these are the end times, and or at least many people believe that, and rightly so. We see the parallels in Ithiana and the bad boy states, or in, in Lemire's case, bad girl state. <laughs> and also terrorist groups like the Spectralists is in the book that I describe as anything left wing, Crescentarians, and even an upstart right wing group called the Freebies or the Free Atlantis Movement. And I have it where right now I am concerned for America big time because America, I wouldn't be surprised if a civil war broke out. I hope not, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I pray for Canada to have a miracle deliverance. We may get one in the form of a spring election, but we've heard those, I've heard that story before and I'm not banking on anything. In fact, I wouldn't try and plan on anything because the plans will probably fall through and just get shaken down. But I think we should realize that the way the world was in Noah was not just wicked and sinful, but the world of that Noah lived in might have been technologically advanced and that technology enables sin. doesn't create it, but it enables sin. Which makes sense because if you can do certain things virtually, you can do certain things without having to be there. You can steal someone's money and they wouldn't even know. It just uh, affects someone's livelihood, spy on them. They wouldn't even know. They were talking about, for example, with the ring, uh, the ring products that people were hacking to the ring and talking to people and doing all weird stuff. So I definitely get what you're saying about technology aiding in civil nature. But at the same time, it's a tool that's used that we can go for ill or will, for, I mean, for good or ill, you know. And so, Don, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. I didn't really want to delve too much into Ithiana because there is so much here. This is a book that is crammed in a good way, but just crammed with so many ideas, so many uh, layers. There's lots of different characters. And what Don really did for those of you who are really into that type of thing, he gave you the cast of characters, how you pronounce their names, because that was something that kept tripping over. He gave you the maps that he gives you some of the political structures that are going on at the time. And interwoven throughout the book is the modern equivalent of what that particularly is. Like it may say, oh, the modern equivalent of something really small, a moment. We They called it moment, we call it a minute. And a moment was actually 90 seconds in pre-flood days. A minute now is 60 seconds. So things like that. And so there's small things like that, then there are bigger concepts involved. So lots of things are going on at Ithiana, how the world ended a millennia ago. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. Now, Don, in the few moments that we have left, I want you to encourage our author friends out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. Yes, and I encourage it because... Everybody may have their view, if they're into writing antediluvian fiction, I encourage you to go for it. 
I don't want, I don't have any, any special claims on what the past was exactly like other than what was written in the book of Genesis. So I say, if you've got your own take on the pre-flood world, write it, go for it. And if you've got other ideas other than that, go for it. Don't stick with the, uh, testimony, fictional testimonial model or the Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins. Well, I'm not bemoaning these people. I'm just saying we need a variety of stuff in Christian fiction because people will even get sick of the chosen after a while because trends come and trends go, but Christian fiction needs to be replenished with new ideas, ambitious ideas, and sometimes Christian takes on existing genres. And I would say, go for it. We need more. And I would say, as well as buying my book, check out other Christian authors. And if they seem to be not so Christian, don't be too hard on them because it's their take. We all have our own unique takes. And I would say, don't let whatever Christian raising you received inhibit your tastes. Let yourself go and see what Christian stuff is out there and get some, including my book. Don, I can't think of a better way to end today's show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. And we were talking today to Don Edward Cook. He is the author of the book, If Yana, How the World Ended. It is book one. I'm sorry, How the World Ended a Millennia Ago. It is book one of this series. I cannot wait to see what LLC does with this wonderful series. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. Again, on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And I've told our listeners before, I just want to say, I love antediluvian fiction. I love the different takes that Christian authors can bring to this very murkiness of time. We only have glimpses of it. We don't see it all. But guess what? The Lord can use your writing and your ability and your creativity to create a world that is just as tactile, just as immersive, and just as thrilling as Dan's book, If Yana how the world ended millennia ago. So what are you doing? Go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Make sure you subscribe to us at pjcmedia.net by clicking that pink follow button. If you want to support us, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff to see what you can do. And as always, we cover your prayers. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful Absolutely glorious. Blessed day.